0: It's good to see everybody here this morning. Uh, just to uh, reiterate some of the things that were already said, uh, we are going to have a question and answer uh, night tonight. And if you do have any more questions, we'll try to fit them in. If not, we'll just do it the next time. Uh, we've gotten uh, several questions, and um, you know, I'll, I'll be glad to try to fit them in if we can. Uh, I'm thankful that, that we have some very thoughtful questions. And, uh, you know, sometimes question and answers has uh, become stump the preacher time. Um, I'll tell you, it's not going to take very much to stump me, so you know, don't worry about that. Um, but as far as, you know, answering Bible questions, we want to make sure that not only are we teaching the truth, but we're living it. And uh, some things are are needful for us. And one of the things that I've, well, some of the really main themes of the questions I've gotten is, you know, the false doctrine. Someone teaching something, and somebody wants to know exactly how to combat that from the scriptures. And so that's that's great. That's what this is for—to not only answer our questions, but to help us to answer other people's questions. And uh, so that that I think is going to be a, uh, a blessing to us. At least I hope it will be. If uh, we we talk about something all the time here, and You know, quite frankly, probably many congregations of the Lord's Church, every time they meet together, Bible class teacher, the preacher, somebody is going to say something along the lines of, you know, we we need to study more. Now, that's really easily said. Uh, It's not as easily done. And now, a part of that is uh, people oftentimes don't understand what it means to study the Bible because they equate reading the Bible to studying the Bible. That, that is a you know, completely different thing. If you've ever had to take a class and they have made you read the book, um, you can read the book just fine. If you ever had to take a class and they said, uh, read the book and your questions are going to come from this book. And guess what? You're not going to get to open it up and look. So then your task becomes greater, doesn't it? It's not just a matter of reading a book just to fulfill an assignment. It's that you are going to have to sit down and you're going to have to pour into that book because, well, you know, you're going to have to answer some questions later. Well, the same thing goes for us, brethren, when concerning the Scriptures. You know, we can go through and we can read things, but we really have to delve in to the scriptures, to really understand them. And so, this morning, I'd like to discuss the topic of how to study the Bible. Now, I'm going to preface it by this as saying, look, some of the material in this is rather deep, and I would encourage you, we're going to be putting this uh, lesson up on the internet, and I encourage you to go and find it and download it uh, for yourself, because some of the material is going to be, too deep to get in one setting, and some of it I'm going to have to go over quickly. Uh, But the question is, how do we study the Bible? We know that we need to understand the Bible and that we need to study its contents to be able to understand it, and we know that it is of great importance, but how do I do that? How do I study the Bible? How do I study? Well, there are several things we're going to mention. We're going to mention the importance of study, and talking about the importance of reading our Bible and and meditating on the Bible. Uh, But we're going to talk about interpretation as well, and also different ways to study the Bible. Now, before we really get get into this, there are several tools that a person who's going to study the Bible probably needs, probably is going to need some of these things. Uh, First is a concordance. You know, concordance, you can look up passages based on one word. And so you might be interested in the topic of, let's say, anger. And so you go, and you can go into this concordance, and you can look up the word anger, and it will tell you every instance in the scripture where anger is mentioned. Now, you can do that with basically any word in the Bible. And uh, now, most most of the time, you're going to have to use like a King James version or a New King James version with these concordances. But uh, with the exhaustive concordances, but your Bible may actually have a concordance in the back of it. Yeah, uh, you may have used this before, uh, but but everybody really needs a concordance so that they can go back and look at various passages really quickly. Another thing that I found of great use is Bible dictionaries. You need a Bible dictionary. Uh, because it is going to not only define something in the Scripture, but it can also give a little extra detail, give you some historical background and whatnot. So that, that is another thing that is good. Uh, another thing, you don't have to have it, but I've found them to be nice, is a study Bible. I've owned several study Bibles over the years, but I believe if you want a good, sound study Bible, uh, Thompson Chain is going to be your best bet. So go and, and, and get you something. Get you a study Bible. You can go and d- do. There's other things. There's there's the Dixon Study Bible, but it's it's out of print and it's very expensive to buy. Um, you can buy. Uh, I've got other study Bibles from denominations, and there's a couple that have some gems. But I'll tell you what, you're going to have so much false doctrine taught in it uh, that you know you're going to have to pick and choose what what's in there. So. Uh, if I were going to re- refer anybody to anything, I'd say go ahead and get you a Thompson chain reference and 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 search the scriptures that way. That's a good way to do it. Another thing that you can do, and this is this is last, and I will say this is also least, is commentaries. Um, why why do I say that? Well, you know, because a lot of times commentaries they will go way out there and talk about things that are really not necessary. Now, if you want to get a really good in-depth picture of something, a commentary is a good thing to go to. But you also have to remember that men have written these commentaries and that it is very possible to lead uh, yourself astray by following too closely to somebody's commentary. Now, I've got plenty of commentaries, and I enjoy several commentaries. Um, But, again, you have to pick and choose out of that, even if they're brethren. Because, you know, we have to teach the truth. And we can't just go off of Brother Nichols or Brother Woods and take their word for it. We have to study the Scriptures. So, uh, and I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you my rule. This is just my rule. This is Matt's rule for studying the Scriptures. If I have a question, uh, I typically don't ask somebody or go and to, to some sort of a website where they're going to have these kind of answers. Uh, if I have a question about something, I usually wait about two weeks. And during that time I'm studying trying to figure it out. Then after two weeks, if I think I haven't really gotten it very well, then I'll go and I'll try to ask somebody else and see if what they can do guides the thoughts that I have had originally and if that really fits together with what I've studied. So those are just some things that, that we need, but but commentaries I do believe are a last resort. So what are the importance? What's the importance of studying the scriptures? What is the importance there? Well, uh, I believe that there are several things we could mention. But Psalm 119, verse 11, uh, For I have hid thy word, I have hid in my heart, so that I might not sin against thee. So we need to have the word of God in our hearts so that we are not going to sin against the Lord. We want to make sure that we are doing what's right. And so if we have a knowledge of the Scriptures, then, you know, it's going to make us less likely to sin. It really will. if you don't believe me, then you need to do this. But one of the things that I started doing whenever uh, I I, I started studying is this. I, I got little note cards out. And I had them based on topic. And they were always dealing with something that I needed to have. I needed it for whatever reason. And so you go through, and, and maybe it is that I was studying with somebody. And I need to know all the references uh, to to uh, to baptism. Well, then I'd go and I'd write those on cards, you know, or in a practical sense, going back to that thought of anger, you know, in, in the concordance. Well, hey, if you are having difficulties with anger, if you write that down and you write passages down and you've memorized these passages, well, if you think about those and you try to quote them to yourself when you're getting in an angry mood, well, you know what, I'll tell you what, it is a, it's a lot harder to, to be angry at a person when you're quoting verses about how the Lord loves you. I'll tell you right, right, right off from personal experience, that is very difficult. And you have to make an effort to continue to be angry at that person. Brethren, it is very important for us to stay the scriptures and in uh, Acts seventeen and uh, verse eleven. You know these Jews were more noble in that they searched the scriptures daily, making sure that what they were being taught was so. You know we need to search the scriptures and make sure that what is being taught is right. You know I, I'm I'm just a human, just like anybody else, and we are going to make mistakes. Uh, we make mistakes, you know, quite often. And when teaching the Word of God, you know, you want to teach the truth, but it may be that either, number one, maybe you haven't found that passage that you need in order to know exactly what the Scriptures teach on a certain topic. Maybe it is that you have been taught something as you were growing up and you believe it to be a certain way, but it is not so. Maybe it is that, really, you had not studied that topic well enough. There are various reasons uh, why a person could get something wrong. But you know what? That is the beauty of the congregation of the Lord's church. Because, see, the preacher stands up here and, and he's not a priest, he's not a vicar, he's not infallible. But see, the congregation here can keep a man on his toes, make sure that he is studying, and also correcting gently whenever he has taught something that might be perceived as wrong or is wrong. There is an importance here to study. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, it says. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, handling aright the word of truth. Now, the American Standard Version has it uh, better. It it says, be diligent. But a part of being diligent is what? You're going to have to study. That's part of that context. You have to get into the Scriptures in order to know what you have to do. And so, you know, it's important. That's one of these reasons it's important to study the Scriptures. Because... You are going to have to present, present yourself before God one day. And when you present yourself before God and He questions you on things, or He tells you things that you've done, you can't get up there and say, well, I didn't know. I didn't know any better. Well, why didn't you know any better? Well, I, I just didn't know. Brethren, uh, you know, that's just not going to cut it when it comes to the Lord. We need to study the scriptures. And some will go, well, that's a big book. But you know what? I'll tell you what. Uh, why don't you just sometime take your Bible? And I want you to take it and I want you to split it right there where the Old Testament and the New Testament meet. And I want you to hold the New Testament in one hand and I want you to hold the Old Testament in the other. And then I want you to take that New Testament, and if you've got a study Bible, I want you to go to the back, and I want you to take that study Bible, that, that part, the concordance, all that, and I want you to separate from it. And I want you to see how much of the New Testament makes up the Scriptures. Brethren, it, it, it is very small in comparison to the Old Testament, and seeing as... That is what we need to follow, Hebrews 9, 15 through 17. Then, you know, you can focus on that. Now, that doesn't mean ignore the Old Testament. Still study the Old Testament. But brethren, it's not that big. I, I, I'll tell you this. One time I had a friend that he said, hey, let's do something different. Okay, let's, this is my freshman year of college. He said, every, every week, let's read through the New Testament and at first I thought, that's, that's insane. We can't do that. And we did this for about three months straight. You know, I'll tell you this. When you read through that many times, you're going to remember some things. And you're going to remember some passages that you had, didn't even realize that you'd remember. And you're going to remember where these passages are actually located. And, I mean, when you think about that, you're reading the the Bible for three months. You're reading the New Testament. That's reading it 90 times, basically. So when you think about that, yeah, you're going to remember some things. But you know what else I found out when we were doing that? Is that there were times where I would get bogged down on passages. And I would start flipping around in my Bible trying to figure something out because I saw something new that I hadn't seen before. Of course it wasn't new. But it was new to me. Brethren. Study of the scriptures is. So important. It's so important in fact. That it could mean our eternal salvation. Amen. <coughs> Number two. We need to meditate on the word of God. Of course we mentioned Psalm 119.11. That uh, we need to hide the word of God in our hearts, so we not, might not sin against Him. Uh, but uh, Psalm one, one through three, you know, blessed is the man. You know, blessed is the man. Verse one: Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. How, when does he meditate on that law? Day and night. It's not just every now and then. It's not just one of those things, well, hey, I'm going to go worship God now. That's what we're going to do. That's the thing today. No, it's day and night. All the time. All the time the blessed man is meditating on the Word of God. Next is this, interpreting the Scriptures. Oh, man. You, you sit down, you study with people, and you see this almost immediately. There, and there are safeguards for this when you're studying, and we'll talk about that some other time. But when you're studying the Scriptures, and you're sitting down, and you're talking to them about the Scriptures, they say, well, you know, I've heard this. Have you heard this, brethren? Well, that's your interpretation. That's your interpretation. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say to me specifically, that is your interpretation. Uh, brethren, we don't have an interpretation it is not ours. There is a right way to interpret it. And we're either getting it right or we're getting it wrong. There is no other way around it. Second Peter 1 and verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of private interpretation. For no prophecy ever came by the will of man, but men spake from God being moved by the Holy Spirit. So interpretation is, in, is designed to ascertain the real intention of the writer. What is it that he wanted to say? What is it that was affecting him? What is it that, that needed to be said? Now, I'm going to give you this, and this is why you need to go and download this lesson, or maybe I'll just put this up on the Internet or something. Anyway, these are rules of interpretation. There are 15 of them. This comes from the book, Elements of, Lo- of Logic, uh, by Levy Hedge. Number one, the interpreter of a written document must have a thorough knowledge of the language in which it is written. Now, this is not specifically about the Bible. This is just in general. So, the, don't start freaking out here thinking, well, I've got to go and say the Greek and I've got to say the Hebrew. No, 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 no. See, There are accurate translations today. There are good translations. And so you can take one of those good translations. And you can read that. Now a part of being able to interpret something is. Well you got to have an understanding of language. And if you are going to interpret the scriptures. Then guess what you need to know. You need to know simple rules of grammar. You need to know what words mean. And so. In essence, you need to know English. You need to know English to be able to interpret the Bible. Number two, he must possess an intimate acquaintance with the subject of the writing. So, I'll tell you this. Uh, one time, uh, you know, I started doing a, my master's at one point, And I was getting my master's in, in a field of psychology. And I'd never taken... A lick of psychology in my life. Never. I just thought, hey, this is going to be... This is interesting. I've always thought this was interesting. I'm going to enjoy this. And you know what happened to me? That first week, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. I thought, I, I'm i never going to get this stuff. The, the, just the vocabulary. It was just so different. And I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about Freud. I didn't know anything about Erickson. I didn't know anything about these guys. I had no idea... And so then, you know, you, you get used to it and so you have an understanding of the subject and it gets easier to understand. And then when you see little nuances, you, you understand them a little better. Well, it's the same thing with any subject. You know it. You You just have to get into it. You have to understand the subject. You know, there are guys and, you know, I've known of mechanics that, Man, it doesn't take them long to start talking over my head about cars. I have no idea what they're talking about. They know that subject. You know, there's there's guys that, that are very good with working on their hands, and, and they're carpenters, and they, they know all these things. That, you know, it doesn't take them long to start talking about things that you have no idea what they're talking about. Because that is their area of expertise. Now, they have a familiarity with the subject being taught. And so... When it comes to Scriptures, we have to have an intimate acquaintance, an intimate knowledge of the subject that is being written about. Number three, the true interpretation of writing requires a knowledge of the character of its author. Brethren, why do we love Paul so much? Why do we... I have heard so many sermons about Paul. Why do we love Paul so much? Well, we know a little bit about his life. And we know him through his writings. We have to have a knowledge of the character of the author. And ultimately, who's the author of the scriptures? God is. You have to have an intimate knowledge of the character of the Of the author. Number four. If the writing to be interpreted. Be of ancient date. The interpreter. Should ascertain. The genuineness of his text. Whether it has descended to him. As it came from the author. Without any corruptions. Or interpolations. From other hands. So. If you're going to study a document. Such as the scriptures. You need to go through. Some sort of general biblical introduction where you're looking at the the background of the scriptures. How did we get them? How are they where they are now? Now, I'll I'll tell you, um, uh, Keith Moser, a teacher at the Memphis School of Preaching, he's written a very good book that that you should get sometime. It's the book that God breathed. And I've got a copy of it. You're welcome to look at it. But um, it, it goes through some of these things. Now, if you want to have... Uh, a better knowledge of, of these things, then that's the book for you. Number five, the interpreter should also be well acquainted with the history of the country and of the period and which his author wrote. Now, why is that important? Well, I'll tell you why that's important. Uh, I have heard so many people go through and they'll mishandle Romans. Well, you know, Romans does not make a whole lot of sense in the very beginning. Until you know about the edict of Claudius. That kicked all the Christians out of Rome. And then when that, that the edicts, you know, they only last as long as the person lives. And so once Claudius died, hey, all these people, all these Christians got to come back to Rome. And so when you know that, when you know those things, it makes interpreting it easier. Number six. The mind of the interpreter should be wholly free from all antecedent bias in favor of any system, doctrine, or creed which might influence his judgment in the interpretation he is about to make. Don't have a bias. When you're going through Scripture, it is uh, needful for you to have an open mind. Don't think, well, hey, you know, if if you're studying something as simple as baptism, you know... Have an open mind there. Go in and look at the scriptures and make sure that they are lining up together. Now they're going to on that subject. But look, you, you've got to go at it with an open mind because that's what you want other people to do. You want other people to reach reach out for that topic with an open mind. So you do the same. Sometimes you'll find that there might even be things that you think are possible contradictions. Well, you know that there's not a contradiction in scripture. So you start trying to figure out, well, how in the world does this fit together? And you know what? Pretty quickly, you you normally do, right? You figure that out pretty quickly. So we have to drop all those doctrines, all creeds, whatever, just to make sure that we're interpreting the Scriptures properly. Number seven, in making the interpretation of a document, the subject and predicate of each proposition should be carefully Distinguish. Make sure that you're being logical. Make sure that everything makes sense and that you're not leaving things out. Number eight. Words which admit uh, uh, of different senses should be taken in their most common and obvious meaning. Unless such a construction lead to absurd consequences or be inconsistent with the known intention of the writer. So, if a word is stated, that's what it means... Unless the ending of it is absurd, then it must mean something else. Brethren, um, I'm going to give you an example of this. People will not normally look at this as absurd, but it is not the proper context. You have people that say, well, you need to call upon the name of the Lord. And what does that mean? What does it mean to call upon the name of the Lord? Oh they they think that it means to go out some people think that it means to go out and just yell out to the Lord calling upon his name. Oh it might be a little ridiculous for us to continuously call upon continuously call upon the name of the Lord, wouldn't it? Just randomly yelling out the Lord. You know um the understanding of scriptures is, is very important, and when we see that in the name of the Lord, you know, that means in the authority of. You know, when we're calling on the name of the Lord, we are looking at His authority. Yeah, it's His authority. So, you know, we need to remember things like that. Uh, verse or, uh, number nine: When any word or expression is, is ambiguous and may consistently, with common use, be taken in different senses, it must be taken in that sense sense which is agreeable to the subject of which the writer was treating it. So words need to fit. They need to fit together. If they are ambiguous and they have different uses, then it needs to put in a sense that makes the most sense. 10. Doubtful words and phrases must always be construed in such a sense as will make them produce some effect, and not in such a sense as will render them wholly nugatory. That means that they're worthless. They don't have any purpose. So, you know, when you're going through and you're, you're looking at doubtful words, you don't understand something, the phrase must be construed in a sense that produces something that is effective. It has a purpose. 11. Violations of the rules of grammar do not vitiate, that is soil, a writing in which the sense is distinctly expressed. So if it makes sense, don't try to use grammar to make it say something else. 12. When there are no special reasons for the contrary, words should be construed and their literal rather than their figurative sense, so take it literal unless it is deemed to be figurative thirteen however, general may be uh, however general may be the words in which a covenant is expressed, it comprehends those things only on which it appears the parties intended to contract and not those which they had not in view. So that's where having a knowledge of of the people who are writing or why they're writing comes into play because you need to know, uh, have an idea of where they're going with something. You know, what is their character like? What what are they intending with this document? Uh, 14, whatever is obscure or doubtful in a covenant should be interpreted by the intention of the parties. So, if if Jesus says something, then whatever Jesus says goes. Paul says something, whatever Paul says goes. We cannot go and say, well, Paul really didn't mean that. No, no, if Paul said it, that's what he meant. Fifteen, when former interpreters are appealed to in order to establish the sense of an ancient writing, those should be preferred who were nearest the author in time or place as his children, pupils, correspondents, or countrymen, and who had therefore better advantages for knowing his mind than more distant commentators. So it's good to be as close to the person as you possibly can. So if somebody makes a comment, then you need to go with the earliest comment that is made. So yes, look at some of those things that early Christians said. Uh, That's fine, because they were the closest to the message. Some of these people, you have uh, some people who even knew the apostles that comment on things. And so, yes, you can listen to them as long as it goes along with Scripture. Alright, so those are the rules of interpreting. I know that was long, I know that was grueling. But now let's let's get to the nitty-gritty here. Now, there are ways to study the Bible. There's all sorts of different ways. And you don't have to pick a certain way and stick to it. Now, I use all these things. I, I, there are some that I do not do as as much as others. Uh, but, you know, I, I'll tell you right now, I'm not a big character guy. I know that there's guys that they, they like to study individuals in the Scripture. I, I'm not like that. You know, I, I like to know a vast general array of things, but... When you're looking at the Bible, you can study it by, number one, topic. You know, it helps us to understand a given topic. That's when you have the concordance helps you out, uh, a topical Bible helps you out. But it is a good uh, a good idea to look at individual topics uh, so that you know exactly what an individual topic is being talked about. Uh, of course, we just mentioned character studies. Uh I heard a preacher mention this uh, that if you had an, a good knowledge of 15 to 20 people in the Bible, you're going to have a good knowledge of the Bible. Now, wh- what are we talking about? Well, I mean, you think about this you know Abraham, you know Joseph, you know Isaac, you know um, David, you know Solomon. Go, you know Jesus, you know Peter, you know Paul. You know you you start name out. You realize that that is covering a majority of the scriptures when you're talking about things like that. Go through names off some of those prophets. You know, look look at those people. Though, if you know those people, you are going to have a good knowledge of the scriptures. So if you you like studying characters, that's good. You know, study something that's broad. Uh, have a good knowledge of the Scriptures. Now you can also, as we typically do in Bible class, we study by passage. Uh, just breaking down an individual passage into its various parts and keeping it in the context. Another uh, way that you do this is also by word. You can study the Scriptures by word. Sometimes uh, you can go through and you'll find a word and you go, I want to know where this is used and how it's used in every sense. Um, that's a good study, and I'll, I'll tell you what, if, if you want to invest in something, uh, investing in a good Bible software program is good. Now, I, I think that's one of the best things that I've ever done. And I bought a Bible software program called Logos, and you can actually upgrade it as time progresses. But uh, yeah, it's not cheap, I understand that. It starts off, I think, at about $400. But it goes up from there, and the amount of knowledge you can you can get your hands on is, is more than you can do in a lifetime. I've got thousands of books on, on this program that I will never read them all. Uh, but one thing that it does is it indexes every single book in my library by word. And so I can actually go and I can type in one word, and it not only brings up everything in the Scriptures... It brings up everything in the commentary, everything in topical Bibles, everything in dictionaries, everything in commentaries, everything in papers that were written. Everything that I've got will bring up that word. Now, the benefit of that for people who are not uh, really cognizant of of Greek is it also does that for Greek and Hebrew. You can go in you can put in a Greek word. Or you can find a Greek word and, and ask it to tell you every time that it's in the Bible. And it will show you every time it's used. Good good things to use. You can study by book. You know, you can look at a book of the Bible. And I've had people that I knew that they said, you know, this year I'm going to focus on James. And I'm going to really study James. I'm going to study that book as much as I can. That's great. You know, go ahead and do that. Um, you know, of course, you can also study by chapter. usually... This means that you're outlining. Uh, so, outline the chapter and, and, and understand the contents of each chapter. Now, uh, I found that it's been good to outline books of the Bible and just have a general knowledge of where things are. You know, if you're studying a book, and like, let's go back to James, you're studying James, well, you want to know that if you're talking about uh, <laughs> ascertaining wisdom, it's going to be in chapter one. Hey, you want to uh, talk about the tongue? Well, you know, you've got to know where all these things are located. And outlining it is going to get you there. And then there's another thing here. It's thought analysis. And that's observing the thought of various passages. Uh, this is going to be finding key words and key phrases, uh, noting every single fact and point given. And also, I think the most important thing that we could ever do comes in this thought analysis part and that is making practical application because brethren it does not matter how much we study if we do not apply it it means nothing we have to apply the scriptures to ourselves so you know i know that this is not a, a has not been a sermon that is one that calls people to repentance uh, but maybe it is that you realize hey i need to i need to up my game i need to be better at studying, and I hope that that's what this has done. Maybe it is, though, that you have already been thinking about some things, and you know uh, that you need to make some things right with the Lord, and we want you to do that today. Maybe you have not yet become a Christian, you'd like to become a Christian this morning. Oh, it's, my, it's my prayer that you will do that. And so if there's anybody that needs to respond to the invitation, please come as we stand and as we sing.